<laughs> All right, text messages. Yep. Let's go to text, text messages. messages. Yes, sweet, sweet. <laughs> this one says, hi, Breakfast Show. I'm so grateful for my wife. Ah, somebody's sending through what they're grateful for. That's nice. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for mine as well. Because <laughs> uh, since our move from Mirabooka, Perth to Ellenbrook, Perth, Western Australia, through past involvement with Pastor Lloyd Grolamond, online church, and learning to honour the fourth commandment, I just want to mention that uh, Lloyd is a major contributor here on Faith FM, mm. has his own live show now. Um, and now my wife allowing me to fellowship Saturdays at Sabbath School and Sabbath Church. There you go. So that's David from Ellenbrook in Western Australia. Yeah, shout out, David. Yeah, go. Well done. Of course, I can't, I can't resonate uh, with his you know, gratefulness. Um, no. But we resonate with the single life and the gratefulness of the blessings that we have. We have, we have uh, Maureen Amen. and Lawson here, so <laughs> resonating with the single life. Uh-huh. Amen. You guys are just uh, missing out. That's all I can say. <laughs> It's just sad. I just feel no, we're sad just, for you We're guys. just making moves, Lyle. You wouldn't understand. Yeah, we're, we're just, just hustling. We're just hu- all right. All right. We're gonna so Lawson's it. number is. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, that's all I've got for text messages this morning. Oh, that's super that's a quiet. Shame. Yeah, send us something, guys. By the way, if you weren't here for the interview, Maureen is joining us because Maureen was here for our Journey of Faith interview this morning sharing her story of coming to Australia from Uganda and finding Jesus Christ was amazing testimony and says she's going to stay with us now for the Bible study. We should jump into it. Mm-hmm. Have we done the prize and the quiz? We've done the quiz. Yeah, we've done, done, have we done the prize. prize. We've done gave, the phone numbers. Gave the number. Did the phone numbers? We done the I phone did. Numbers? I gave the phone numbers. I said 0491-064-669. Come on. I just, producer Shell's just getting on my case about giving out the phone numbers, but we always give it out. Okay, so we only have one number now, so it makes yeah. it super easy super for you guys. Easy. Just uh-huh. one number. Mm-hmm. Just uh, save it in your phone. Mm-hmm. 0491-064-669. All right, Lyle. Well, Yes. Bible study. What are Bible we study time. This one's going to be so interesting. It's all about the sacrifices. It's all about the first seven chapters of Leviticus. So what we're going to do this morning is re- read the first seven chapters of Leviticus. <laughs> okay. Yeah, easy. <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay, so let me share with you briefly my testimony of reading the book of Leviticus. Uh-huh. So when I was 15 years old, I gave my life to God. That was amazing. And the first book of the Bible I ever read was First John which Mm -hmm. was fantastic, and then I thought, that was awesome. I'm going to go back and I'm going to start from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Started to read it, read Genesis, loved Genesis so much because Mm -hmm. I love history and there's so much history there and it was just fantastic stuff. And, oh, somebody, one of our regular regular texters is just texting in to apologise. They slept in. <laughs> oh, Classic. Well, stuff, they would stuff. know if they were listening to the good news section that they shouldn't do that, or now they'll de- they'll be depressed, and that's the other reason will be because they missed the breakfast show. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Can't be missing the breakfast show. Anyway, uh, let me see here. Where are we up to? Um, we're, we're, we're talking about. I was reading through Genesis. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. So much great history right there. Mm-hmm. Read through Exodus. Most of Exodus was pretty good. A lot of great history in Exodus, reading through the story of, uh, you know, coming out of Egypt, all that kind of stuff. And then I hit Leviticus. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and then you hit Leviticus. I'm 15 years old. I'm reading the Bible for the first time in my life, and I hit Leviticus. And you hit Leviticus 15. You start reading about the laws of... I felt like I just walked into a brick wall. (laughs) (laughs) You started reading Leviticus 15, and you're like, any man who has a bodily discharge, and you're like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) i got to tell you, when I, 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 I struggled with Leviticus, I'm like, what on earth is this all about? But later in life, when I came back to study the book of Leviticus... I found that Leviticus is all about just one thing. 
Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Wow. The whole book is about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's the most amazing picture you're going to find in the book of Leviticus about Jesus that you will find anywhere. Mm. And particularly, and, 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 the, and the thing that brings it to life, I guess, is what John the Baptist said mm. when he saw Jesus. Because John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Yeah, well. Which would have been absolutely meaningless to the Jews at that particular time because they had no idea what the lamb symbolized. And so anybody who was listening right then would have been, uh, what? what do you mean, behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world? What, 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 what are you talking about? Mm. But what John was saying was basically the book of Leviticus is all about this guy here. See this guy? book of Leviticus is all about him. Mm. That's what John was saying. Dude, yeah. Okay, and when you read through the book of Leviticus, just reading it flat on the page... It sounds so dry and so detailed, and you do this and you do that and you do this and you do that. What I want to do is spend a little bit of time just getting, uncovering the reality of Leviticus. Mm. Yeah. We're going to make this book a little bit real. Okay. Uh, your, homework, your homework is the first seven chapters. I'm going to sign that for homework, okay? Everybody, everybody <laughs> at the breakfast show gets homework. I'll, 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 uh, no, not for you guys. You guys... You guys know it already. I'm assigning it to our <laughs> listeners. If you're listening today, yes. that's your homework. Yes, good job. Good job. We need we need you guys. Get in the Bible. Why did I let these guys off? <laughs> what did I just do? That was a mistake. <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, where should we go? Should we start in Leviticus or should we start in Isaiah? Well, you just talked about how Let's great start in Leviticus. Leviticus was. Let's start in Leviticus. Okay. What are we going to read? Chapter 4, verse 2. All right. Okay. Maureen, can you get that for us? Yep. Chapter 4, verse 2. And yep. 3. And 3. And 3? Okay. Yes. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord, in anything which he ought to be done, in anything which ought not to be done, and does any of them, if any of the anointed priests sins, bring guilt on the people, then let him offer to the Lord, for, which, for his sin, which he has sinned, a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. Mm. Okay, so who is the Bible speaking about in this passage? Anyone. Well, for sin. Yeah, the the people of Israel. Yes, it actually specific. It actually specifies mm. some type of person within the nation. The the, the high priest. The priest. The priest. Mm. Okay, so the priest. Mm. And if the priest sinned, what was he to bring for a sin offering? Uh, a bull. That's blemish. Yeah, that's pretty big, eh? <laughs> yeah. Dude, bulls that's are a major massive. sacrifice. Yeah. And this this one is a major sacrifice. Now, if you work your way down through the passage, what you're going to find is that the status of the sinner decreases. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it'll go down to the average person who brings a lamb and then it will go down to the very poor person who brings, you know, turtle doves or a bowl of wheat or whatever it might be as the sin offering. Mm-hmm. The principle remains the same. And because we're going to be talking about the sin offering, well, yeah, we're going to have a look at some of the principles that we can learn from this offering right here. But what I want you to stop and ask yourself is this. If you were a priest... How often does a person actually sin? How many sacrifices? You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. 
Okay, so um, let's 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 think about. Okay, how many how many times do you sin in a day? Don't 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 don't, don't be <laughs> spitting out numbers uh, right now. <laughs> Just have a think about this. Mm-hmm. And how often do you go to God forgiveness? I think it's reasonable that most of us end our day with asking God forgiveness for various things that we may have done wrong during the day. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then if you were a priest, how often are you going to bring a sin offering? Mm. And how long are your herds of cattle going to last? Mm. This is my- do, do you have, oh, I've got to ask this question. Do you have a cow economy in... Um, you, get, you do? Yeah, grow up on a farm. Ah, uh-huh. so. oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. How many cows did you have? Do you know? Uh, average 20. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. That's amazing. Okay. I, I love that about Africa. I got a question, though. Yep. Do, do high priests own cows? Like, how do they look after the cows if they're busy doing stuff? Where do they get cows from? This is a very valid question. Yeah. Like Levites as well, because they're told not to farm. They're told not to tend animals. Okay, so then they're going to have to go and buy one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so they might not have a herd. But, I mean, let's think about your herd more. And you've got about 20 20 head of of cattle. How long do they last if you're using one each time you sin? Not long. <laughs> Not long. Okay, so so we there's there's obviously more to this story than what we're actually reading here, isn't there? Mm. Uh, because and, and the other thing is, if you've got you know one one point two million people, mm. how long is the lineup into the sanctuary for people bringing a sin offering? Mm. And how do you actually you know how many sin offerings can you actually handle in one day? You know, two hundred a day. That's that's not much. That's like that's like a. And that's not even. Uh, I would say that that's a that's a pretty big estimate, like two hundred a day, like killing two hundred animals yeah, 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 a yeah. day. Particularly when with... you read down through the process, yeah. Because you know the Bible, the Bible goes on. If the priest is anointed, do a sin according to this. Oh, we read that in verse three. He'll bring his bullock to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. Lay his hand on the bullock's head, kill the bullock. Uh, the priest is anointed, shall take the bullock's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of the congregation and dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle of the blood seven times before the Lord, before the veil of the sanctuary. Put some of the some of the blood um, on the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of the congregation. Pour out all the blood of the bullock at the bottom of the altar. He shall take uh, from it all the fat of the bullock for the sin offering. Mm-hmm. And the fat that covers the inwards and all the fat that is on the inwards and the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them. And it is by the flanks and the call above the liver and the kidneys. He will take away. And, you know, and it just goes on and on and on. So this is not just uh, take the life of the bull, cut its throat, catch some blood, deal with it. It's over. There's a whole lot of detail yeah. here. Mm. You know, he's basically butchering the entire carcass. That's like a lengthy process. That's yeah. a lot of work. I've butchered animals in the past. I grew up on a farm. We used to butcher our, our own, our own, you know, cattle from time to time, and it is time consuming mm-hmm. and so, heavy. And that's right, and heavy. In uh, with, with your cattle, with a uh, cattle for milk or cattle for milk, milk. Okay, yeah. so you, yeah, happier cows. <laughs> <laughs> Our I'm cows. glad I've never had to butcher one. <laughs> Our cows were for milk as well, but once they got past that, they became, they went in the freezer. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Which is a bit sad, particularly when they had names. 
Oh, that is sad. That's very grim. Yeah. Well, it'll be very grim for these people bringing their their bulls. absolutely. Oof. Okay, so the first question that goes through my mind is: You look at the sanctuary; it's small. Mm. You look at the population; it's large. Mm-hmm. How do they handle this? And the answer to it is found in verse two. Okay, in verse two, the Bible says, "Speak to the children of Israel." If a soul shall sin through ignorance mm. against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and shall do against any of them. This is a point that very few people realize in relationship to the sin offering. Mm. The sin offering only ever covered for sins of ignorance. Mm. It did not cover for you doing something that you knew to be wrong. There was no offering, no sin offering for that. And it's a really important point for a whole bunch of different reasons because if you think about it, if God had provided a sin offering for sins that you knew to be wrong, number one, you'd never be able to keep up with it at the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. just from a practical perspective. But number two, and more importantly, you would create a system of indulgences yeah, mm-hmm. where you could indulge yourself in a sin because you could afford it. Mm-hmm. So you could stop and think about it like, ah, you know, I really want to do this particular sin. You know, I want to go and sleep with my neighbor's wife or maybe I want to kill my neighbor or whatever it might be. And to receive forgiveness of that, I'm going to have to bring a sacrifice of a lamb but I've got a lot of sheep right now, so, yeah, you know what? It's worth it. I can afford it. Mm. Mm. The reality is there was no sin offering that you could bring if you knew it was wrong. Well, God was not providing for that kind of sin with the sin offering. Okay, so then the question that comes up from that, of course, is, you know, obviously we're dealing with situations here where, you later find out that you did something wrong. You didn't know it was wrong at the time. You later find out. So that's not so often. Mm. 99.99999% of the time when we sin, we know it was wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, but, so. but even that, like with sinning unintentionally, like, it, it, you know, it's not even when you find out it's wrong, you see. It's not unintentional, it's ignorant. Yeah. Slightly different. It's like this idea of, well, I, I think the best example of that is in the book of Job, where Job, it talks about how Job brings a sin, sin offering for himself and his kids to cover them. Like, he doesn't know what his kid's done. He doesn't even know what he said. It's not like it's come up or anything, but he makes a point, you know, he is a relatively wealthy man and he loves God and he's like, God, I just want to be right with you. Yes. So I'm going to bring a sacrifice. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And this was, this was not an uncommon thing that took mm. place back in the day. Mm. Yeah. People would do that kind of thing. Mm. Okay, so here's a question then. Let's 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 take a, a famous sin from the Bible and use it as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about David and Bathsheba? Oh, mm, classic. Mm, mm. Okay, could David bring a bullock as a sin offering because he's a king? So you know he needs to bring a bullock. He's at the highest level. Could he bring a bullock as a sin offering for his sin with Bathsheba? No, 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 absolutely not. Sure. No. No, he could not do that because he knew it was wrong. Mm. So then, if there's no sin offering, how do you get forgiveness in the Old Testament? Yeah, wow. 
Ooh. <laughs> okay, so, so here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. David, being the kind of person that he was, being a songwriter and a poet and being a very creative person, he kind of he kind of lives his life out in his poetry. Mm. You know, he, he, he wears his life on his sleeve almost, so to speak, in his poetry. Um, and you see it coming through here. And he does this big sin with Bathsheba. He repents of that sin and writes a song about it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know how many of us would do that. <laughs> yeah, yikes. <laughs> David does. But David does. And it's interesting what he says um, here in verse 16. This is, sorry, sorry Psalms 51. Psalm, yeah, of course. Psalms 51 and verse 16. Maureen, have you got that one for us? Yep. So that's Psalms 51 verse 16. 16. Yeah, go for it. Okay. You do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. Okay, so can he bring a sin offering for what he did with Bathsheba? Nope. No. No. He, he understands that perfectly. God doesn't want a sin offering for this. Mm. Okay, so the question then is how... Does David receive forgiveness for what he did with Bathsheba? Mm. Which will then answer the question for us, how did anyone in Old Testament times receive forgiveness for sins of things that they knew to be wrong? wrong. Mm. Uh, Next verse, please, Maureen. Yep. The sacrifices of God are broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. This This, O God, you will not despise. Okay, so how did he receive? How did he get forgiveness? Mm, from Broken spirit, mm, contrite heart, repentance, mm. in exactly the same way that we do. Mm. Okay, so then, if they're getting forgiveness for known sin in the way, same way that we get forgiveness for known sin, why was there a sacrificial system in the first place? We need to answer that question. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, okay. we're talking about why Israel. Needs a sacrifice. Oh, that's wait, right. I just got to tell people real quick the number to call and text 0491 064 669. You can win the, the a new song collective album in jaw. All right, let's go. All right, so let's talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about why they had to have a sacrificial system if repentance was found through, sorry, forgiveness was found through repentance. Mm. This is a very important point. The sacrificial system was, in, was, was given by God mm-hmm. to illustrate how God deals with sin. It only applied for sins of ignorance mm. because if God had applied it to all sin, well, you wouldn't have been able to keep up with the sacrifices to begin with. And secondly, you would have created a system of indulgences. Mm-hmm. So that would be just ridiculous. We, 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 we all get that. But God still had a way, had to have a way of illustrating how he dealt with all sin. Mm. Mm. And so he develops it for ignorance in because that way it doesn't become a system of indulgences and it doesn't clog up the system. But it still becomes a very, very powerful illustration of what God does with sin. Mm. So when we read through the sacrificial system here and we read through the ministration of blood, it helps us to understand. And so the Bible will say, look, you know, really, really dry stuff like uh, if you sin through ignorance, obviously, you bring a sacrifice, you confess your sins over the head of the sacrifice, you kill it, you take the blood, you sprinkle it on the veil, on the floor in front of the veil, on the four horns of the golden altar, and you walk away scot-free. Um, to our Western minds, that's kind of pretty like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, we have large sheep farms. Mm. We, we we drive them around with, um, you know, we, we drive them with dogs and motorbikes and drones mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Uh 
However, I want you to think about this for a moment. When it comes to sheep, sheep are a following creature and they will follow a human being. Mm. We don't do that in Australia because we drive sheep. But they will follow a human being, but they will only follow a human being if you hand raise them. Mm -hmm. Mm. Now, if you're a listener today and if you at one point hand raised a sheep, you will understand what I'm talking about. I did this once Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. I was given a pet lamb and it was newborn. It was my job to raise this lamb to adulthood and I fed it on a bottle and it was the sweetest thing you ever came across. Um, and her name was Zipper and she thought that I was her mother and she would literally follow me anywhere I went. Mm-hmm. Anywhere I went. And there's this little lamb just standing there looking up at me like, ah, ah, you going to give me my bottle now? <laughs> I think that was all, all that was ever on her mind was the bottle. Uh, but that's how you raise a lamb so it's a following creature. In Israelite culture and still in the Middle East, that's how they do shepherding. Mm. They still hand-raise their animals. And so these animals were far more than just being stock. Mm. They were pets. Not only that, but they could they could have a hundred sheep and they could single out a single sheep by calling it by its name. Yeah, well. The only way a sheep ever knows its name is if you hand-raise it. Mm. Mm. And so... When you took your sacrifice, this was not just taking some random stock animal and looking over your stock and going, ah, oh, I think that one looks pretty good, we'll take that. Mm. No, 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 no. You would, you would know which one you were going to take even before you did. Mm. And you would call it by name and it would come running to you and then you would lead it through the camp of Israel and as you're walking through the camp of Israel or through the city of Jerusalem, doesn't matter what, and there's a lamb following you, what do you think everybody's thinking? enough. Finna, what yeah. did what did you do? What did <laughs> ah? Here's some gossip. I wonder what they did. Mm. And see, God was illustrating. You can't hide sin. There's no hiding of sin. Mm. Mm. Bible says, "Behold, uh, sorry, be sure your sin will find you out." Yeah, well, and that's the simple reality of you know what sin does and what it is, and it will find you out mm. unless we take it to the Lord, give it up, and let the let God take it away. Okay, so then, you know, you've got this wide open space, you're walking out across, you know, towards the tabernacle, and then you walk in through the front door of the tabernacle, and now you can't be seen to the whole nation. Mm. Mm. Why? Because of the walls. What color was the wall? Uh, White. It It was was white. It was a white wall. What does white symbolize? Purity. Whose purity? Christ's. So now no one can see your sin because you are surrounded by the righteousness of Christ. Mm. Wow. You start to see what's going on here. This is why I say the book of Leviticus is all about Jesus Christ. Mm. So then it goes, um, you, you take that lamb and you confess your sins over the head of the lamb. Symbolically, you are transferring the sin from yourself to the lamb. Mm. The wages of sin is what? Death. 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 You walk in there, under what penalty are you under? Death. 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 Now the sin has gone from you to the lamb. What penalty is the lamb under? Death. 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 And what penalty are you under? Freedom. Life. Freedom. Nothing. Yeah, wow. No penalty at all. Freedom. Mm. Complete freedom. Mm. But then who has to kill the lamb? You. You. Okay. You guys got pets? 
Uh, yeah, I have a new pet dog actually. Okay, oh. I'll show you pictures after. <laughs> did, did you have pets back in? This is very embarrassing. I have a pet donkey. That's, that's amazing. not embarrassing. That is, that like is the most thing of awesomeness. It's so good. That is the I best. I wish, bro. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, my brother and I share a pet donkey that we left our parents to raise. <laughs> so we got it. He went into the army. I came to Australia. So my mom is growing a donkey. What's your donkey's name? Uh, they changed. They, they, I think they gave it a new name. What's its new name? I don't know. What's its old name? It was... Um, Oh, my brother gave it a Muslim name. My brother is crazy. Just <laughs> yeah, she doesn't even want to say. Something. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Yeah. But you imagine if you had to take your pet. So you're. So I'm just going to speak to our listener here today. You have to take your pet, mm-hmm. and then you have to take a knife and cut its throat and hold it there while it dies, bleeds to death, looking at you with those big eyes, going, "What are you doing to me? You've looked after me your your whole life. I love you. I'm devoted to you. I've done everything you've asked. What are you doing?" Mm. and it struggles and dies in pain. And, and what it's illustrating here is just how truly horrific sin is. Mm. We don't have this system, and because we don't have this system, we sin without even thinking, but sin is horrific. Does that animal deserve to die? No. Uh-huh. Not at all. That animal is 100% innocent, and that's what Jesus did for us. Mm. He was 100% innocent, and he died for us. He took our pain. He took our suffering. He took it all on himself and he said, I will die for you. Mm-hmm. And it was our sin that caused Jesus to hang on the cross. It was because of our sin he chose to be there. That's how much Jesus loves us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. But Lyle, we have now come to... Question of the day. All right, Lyle, the question of the day is, in Revelation 1.10, when John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, many theologians and Christians assume that refers to Resurrection Sunday in memorial to the risen Christ. Is this correct? Okay, so making an assumption about something in the Bible is never a good way of studying the Bible. And the assumption comes from a lot of people who have made the claim, and claiming something about the Bible is never a good way of studying the Bible. The way to study the Bible is to read what that Bible actually says. Now, the reality is that in the first century when John wrote the book of Revelation, nobody was keeping Sunday. Mm-hmm. We know this from history. There are a multitude of historical uh, references to back that up. In later times, Sunday did, become, did come to be referred to as the Lord's Day. But this was something, this was a situation in which the church and the theologians within the church decided to give it that name because they couldn't really give it the name Sabbath. Because everybody knew that Saturday was the Sabbath day. And so because they couldn't give it the name Sabbath, they gave it the name Lord's Day because they're like, well, you know, maybe we've got some wriggle room on this one. However, the Bible is clear on this one. So let's read what the Bible has to say. Uh, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 28, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. For in six days the Lord made heaven, earth, sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So the Bible says very, very clearly in the commandment itself that Saturday, the seventh day, is the Lord's day. This is the day that he claims as his own. It's the only day he's ever claimed as his own. It's the only day that God has ever made holy. You can't make 
you know, humans can't make something holy. Mm. Mm. That's an impossibility. You cannot make something holy that is not that God has not made holy. Mm. And God only ever made one day holy, and that was the seventh day. If you go over to Isaiah chapter 58, you're going to give in fact you'll find this stream from one end of the Bible to the other. The Bible just continually refers to the Sabbath as being the Lord's day. And that's the only thing that you, you would be consistent with the Bible because there's nothing in the Bible. You know, in the nine references in the Bible to the first day of the week, none of them have anything to do with worship. Mm. Or being a day of worship, I should say. Isaiah chapter 58, uh, verse 13, If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day. Which mm. day is the Lord's day? That's my sorry. holy day, the Sabbath day. And call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honourable, shall honour him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then shall you delight yourself in the Lord. So that's a uh, another passage right there. You go over to the book of Mark and you'll find this one repeated in a whole bunch of, uh, well, you find it throughout the Gospels, the same concept being repeated. But Mark chapter 2, let's head there very quickly. Mark chapter 2, verse 27 and 28, where Jesus says, The Sabbath was made for man... And not man for the Sabbath. Mm. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So I've just given three verses right here. We could keep going on and on and on with a whole bunch of others. The reality is the Bible only ever speaks of one day as being the Lord's day, and that is the Sabbath day. Because theologians and church leaders changed that meaning later on in history in the you know, third and fourth century, that does not change it in heaven. The only way you can change the law of God is to go to heaven, to sit on God's throne, and to change that law yourself. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.